Hey church, it is uh, so good. And I say this every time and maybe you think it's uh, an overstated sort of enthusiasm, but can I encourage you? It's not. It is so good to be able to speak to you. It's so good to be able to bring the word. It's so good to be able to encourage and to even confront and to rebuke and spur one another onto the good of what God has for us. You know, right now I'm in a bit of an unusual location. I'm actually literally sitting on a bed. I'm in actually a hotel room. Uh, Ange is coming tonight and I'm looking forward to it so much. She's been away for a week at a conference. I've been traveling uh, and I'm out east where we live and exploring with my girls. And, you know, these moments make uh, me miss and appreciate Ange even more than the everyday and I'm reminded about the power and the importance in my life of marriage subjectively but more important as I come to the word as I see what God has planned I need be I pray that you would be inspired and understand more of God's plan for marriage and for family and also what that means if one is unmarried you know, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, it says this, Marriage should be honoured by all. Uh, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. I want you to hear that again just for a second. Marriage should be honoured by all. All, and it's important to hear this because marriage has a unique place in the plan of God, in the designs of God. And the marriage bed be kept pure. Marriage is the unique place for sexual intimacy. And thirdly, it goes on to say, For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. God himself defines it, protects it, uh, and promotes the uniqueness of marriage. In Western society, uh, I would have said historically, the definition and the ideals of marriage was not particularly something controversial. However, in the midst of the last number of years, confusion has set in. A confusion around the very definition of marriage. What is marriage? Who is it between? How many is it between? This shouldn't be something that we are even discussing in a sense as communities because at the end of the day, God has defined marriage for us. It's a creative mandate. It's a creative shape that God has called us. And Jesus, God himself in flesh, defines it with the related implications of what is marriage and why does it matter? In Genesis 2.23, it says, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And 24 goes on and explains thus, out of the creation mandate, the nature and the purpose of marriage itself. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, 
and they become one flesh. The very existence and reason for marriage finds its origins in God's creative mandate. Catch this. This is not a legislative issue. This is not even truly a cultural or social issue. This is a divine mandate that, shame, uh, that shapes what is marriage. Marriage, using the language of Genesis 3, is when a man, when a woman leaves mother and father. We see this in the intentional sending of the family. Marriage is not just an agreement between two individuals, nor a sexual encounter just between those two individuals. There is no context. I'll repeat this again. There is no context within Scripture, that such a dramatic decision is made just before God. Every account outlining marriage, either directly or implicitly, shows the involvement of family and community in sending and witnessing the marriage. It goes on and it says, and is united to his wife. Consistently throughout Scripture, culture and custom, this uniting is not firstly a sexual union, but a covenantal agreement before intimacy. Anytime you read Scripture, whether uh, old or new, um, we must be ready and willing to not read it with Western eyes, with the eyes of individualism. Major decisions in every culture historically and in the majority world have never ever been married as one, uh, made as one individual to another. The sending and receiving, the leaving and the cleaving is the crucial part of the marital relationship. Scripture has tradition and custom within it that is echoed, that is consistent with the will of God in these matters. And sure, there might be slight changes in the cultural custom, but the will and the heart of God at the core of it must be maintained. It's the descending from family, from father and mother. And it says this, and they become one flesh. Sexual union seals the covenant and brings the wife and the husband together, leaving no division, no uh, distance and no pretense. All is laid bare, literally. This is the picture of Christ and his bride. There is nothing to be left between us. All is left bare. The pretense and the things that we cover ourselves with in everyday relationship, in everyday action is removed and we are laid bare before the bridegroom. Just to reinforce this, by the way, Jesus makes this distinction and this definition clear as the foundation of marriage. And it's not the subjectivity of culture or even love as a feeling. He says, haven't you heard that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh but uh, no longer two, rather, but one flesh. Here's the reality. Marriage, point one, and thought that extends from Hebrews uh, 13, 4, 
second thought that comes out of that should be honoured by all. Marriage is a prophetic picture of Christ and his bride. Whether one is married or not, divorced or dissatisfied, deflated or disenfranchised, marriage should be honoured by all. There's no out clauses in this matter. Marriage should be honoured by all. Now, I want you to catch this if you are unmarried. If you are to marry one day, or even if you are not to marry one day, you cannot, uh, you cannot engage or you cannot honour marriage by mourning. You can't honour marriage in your unmarried status by a mourning in your unmarried status. There is nothing honourable about this moment. One must honour every moment they are in as part of God's plan and purposes that we need trust Him with. It. Can I both encourage you in this place, but also make us recognise marriage should be honoured by all in all circumstances. You honour marriage by living prophetically in your moment. If you are unmarried, hear me in what Jesus has said. And he says this in Matthew uh, 19. For there are eunuchs, those unable to marry, who were born that way. And there are eunuchs, those un unable to marry, who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God heaven. The one who can accept it should accept it. Now, th there's a lot more to say about this, but whether you are in this moment, unmarried, or you plan to remain such, whether you were born this way, in such a way that you are unable to marry, or whether you have been made this way by a situation or circumstances that are beyond your control, or whether you have decided to dedicate this state unto the Lord, unto the kingdom of heaven, we are all called, as it says in Matthew 19 here, to live for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. You can be a victim of your birth, or you can be a victim of circumstance, or you can be a victor that decides to dedicate all you are and everything God has gifted you with and everything that you have been through to live for the sake of the kingdom of God, just as the, Jesus did for us, just as the apostle Paul encouraged so many to consider doing. This is potentially a place not of victimhood, but of victory as you walk as the victor walk. We need not mourn our unmarried status, if that's the place we're in, but rather dedicate it. Dedicate it unto the Lord as one who is living for the sake of the kingdom, not biding your time or waiting for someone else to be the completion that only God can be in and for you. You can live, can I encourage you, with such a fervor and focus. So stop living for the sake of a future partner or mourning your present and realize you have an opportunity to live in such a way that a married person cannot live. To those who are married, you can't, you can't honor marriage by idolizing your partner. 
You don't honor marriage by maintaining single status dreams. Marriage is about one flesh, it's about one home, it's about one vision. And so often, particularly in the Western world right now, we bring two individuals into the home and into the marriage and we maintain single status visions when that is not the call of God. He calls us to be of one flesh in your career dreams or your life dreams. Can I encourage you, unite to have one godly dream, one kingdom of God dream over your house whole household. And if you have different dreams that are separating you in your everyday, then stop it. Repent from it and move and live whether married or unmarried for the sake of the kingdom of God. The man, can I tell you, and you hear this in scripture, the man who does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. But I want you to catch what it says in 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his own household, he is denied the face and is worse than an unbeliever. Hear this hard. He's denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. And I say this because everything we do should be that to uh, seek first the kingdom of God, to honor God. It's done from a place of faith, not of faith. It's done from a place of honoring God in our workplaces and honoring our God in our relationships. And this is never done by dishonoring the family that God has brought together in the covenant of marriage. It's a powerful thing if used right. Can I encourage you, though, to go beyond this, whether you are unmarried or married, and that is to live in the prophetic family. In Western society, we have made the deep mistake of thinking the individual is the basic building block of society. We have left the moorings and the solid foundation of recognizing that at the heart of every community, at the, every, at the heart of every functional and God-honoring community is actually people who live as family, whether physical or spiritual. We have now taken this to the extent that we even try to define our very own selves. But Jesus said that if we are to follow him, we are to deny ourselves and follow him. In Christian circles, we've often come to a better place on a sort of pragmatic level, but it's not the best place. We think that the immediate family encircled by the world is the thing that we are to be preserving and protecting. We have made it our abundant vision to provide for our children, to protect them from the world. But that is not the scriptural position. Making idols of our home is a dangerous place. It is more dangerous than we can imagine. To the unmarried, I would say very similar. Don't focus on your career. Focus on the kingdom. Focus your life on Jesus. To the marrieds, don't focus on the family. Don't focus on the family. Let me say that again. Focus your family on Jesus. You will get the fruit 
without the destructive root of idolization, whether that's of a partner or of children or of career. Focus it all on Jesus. Live for the sake of the kingdom. And it's I want you to come because this moves through Hebrews 13 verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all. And it goes on and says, and the marriage bed kept pure. Can I encourage you, unmarried people, don't live as if you are married. We are continually sold lies that the fulfillment of the flesh is somehow something of a right. A matter of fact, it's something we should do because otherwise we are restricting ourselves. We are denying ourselves in some way that is a shame, but nothing could be further from the truth. We are called to honor God with our bodies. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Slow this down for a second because this cuts across many secular arguments about many topics. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. At the end of the day, the only autonomy over you have over yourself is the autonomy of when you give yourself to the Lord himself. And he now leads us in the right way, in the holy way, in the way that is good and pleasing unto the Lord. Can I tell you, no one else has authority over your body, but the Lord does. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This applies to unmarried people engaging in sexually intimate activity and to married people committing adultery, sexual immorality and adultery. These actions actually show us that we do not understand that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. When we do think these things, we are presuming that these are only physical realities. But in actual fact, we are acting as one who is offering our body to that which is sin. And this might be very direct, but I want you to hear this encouragement because the, the marriage honored by God <coughs> is one that is a place of safety and protection, is one of a place of satisfaction and most importantly, mission, living for the sake of the kingdom of God. Your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Don't take something God has defined, something that prophetically declares God's desire for intimacy with his people in covenant and defile it. No matter how much it expresses your instincts. To follow Christ is to deny oneself and, following, and follow the inspiration of the Spirit. To, to follow Christ is to follow the inspiration of the Spirit. It is not to bow down to basic instinct. 
We are more than that. We are born of the Spirit. Can I encourage you? If you are a believer and you are listening to me, wherever and whenever you are, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have been bought with a price because you are valuable. And God has called you to honor God with your body in marriage and outside of marriage. You are called to hand over yourself to the only one you can trust, and that is the Lord, the one who loves you more than you could ever imagine. You know, and I want to, can I hear me? Hear me, young men. Hear me, older men. I'm going to speak to you for a second. Studies have shown that approximately, and this is a secular reference, approximately 65% of women in the world or in Australia feel like the uh, first time they uh, had sexual intimacy or they lost their virginity, that it was not really something they wanted. I want you to hear that. 65% of women who lose their virginity regret that moment on some level. I want you to hear this. The Bible speaks to actually moments that are similar to this and I want you to hear the weight of this for a moment. I really do want you to hear the weight of this. There are moments where the Bible describes consensual sexual intimacy outside of marriage, before marriage, and it describes the man in that moment, and I'm not surprised when you consider this statistic as the rapist. Slow this down. Slow this down and I want you to be shocked. If 65% of women that have lost their virginity regret that first time, and evidently a man can use his position and his power and his influence, then I would argue, I, would, uh, I think you need to consider deeply that God describes this nearly like an act of rape. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Maybe you're sitting there going, this is way over the top. Back off, sunshine. But that's the weight with which, men, we need to ensure that we do not follow the instincts of sin and try to lord it over. Because that is the result of sin on man as expressed in, in Genesis. And ladies, can I encourage you? In the brokenness of femininity, which is so beautiful and set apart as the image of God, there is a tendency at times to have a desire after him, to think that your completion or your only place of security is found in him. And so it places you in a place where you can be manipulated or lorded over. Can I tell you, your body is not your own. You have been bought with a price. You are valuable beyond, you, beyond any measure that you can understand or consider. Do not betray what God has called you to for the fleeting moment but rather flee sexual immorality and run toward the one who loves you and gave his life for you that has laid his life down for you. This is maybe a bit heavy, but we live in a culture and a moment where 
I actually believe marriage itself is truly under attack. It's under redefinition. People are trying to deflate and distract, to undermine it, to make it something different. But God has defined this. And we are called to honor it, whether married or unmarried. We are called to live as family, whether married or unmarried. We are not called to to dishonor it. We are not called to redefine it, but rather we are called to support it, to to hold it up in the esteem that God has esteemed it for. If you are married, be wise and follow the obligations given in Scripture to your husband or wife. Love and respect time and duty, provision and protection, intimacy and pursuit. Men, your wife and children are more important than your worldly dreams. If it does not build the home, it is not for the home. Shift it, change it, flee from it. Do not use your strength to dominate or move to the next thing, but rather to serve. Don't ever put her in her place, as scripture, as uh, some men would say, but rather elevate her and encourage her. Realize that God has called you together as co-heirs of the kingdom. Women, use your strength, use your might, use your power and your giftings to come beside your husband as well in a similar posture, that he might not be left inadequate like Adam felt inadequate at that moment but bring your your giftings together in synergetic uh, sort of opportunity and partnership to to seek the kingdom of God together women your husband can I tell you is more fragile than even you think and certainly more than he thinks don't manipulate or use intimacy as a weapon a tool to gain. Don't shame him, champion him, as he should never shame or dominate you, but rather he should champion you and serve you and inspire you. You are co-heirs of the kingdom. Protect the marriage bed. Don't simply keep it from other people, but rather keep it from the defilement of porn, of lust, of dissatisfaction. Prioritize your nearness over Netflix. There's nothing wrong with a bit of Netflix and chill, but but God is clear there is no chill unless there is uh, the, the marriage bed that is created for greater purpose, for prophetic purpose, for the provision uh, of others, for the procreation of children. Netflix and chill is okay, but the fact is all too often we get distracted by the entertainment of the world we live in and it shortcuts what God has called us to. A fire in the right place can warm the home, but if you place it in the middle of the lounge room, it will burn the joint down. Place it in its right place and it will bring warmth and and provision and protection to lives, not just of your own, but of those beyond you. It will provide, it will protect, it will procreate, but put it in the wrong place and it will bring destruction. Can I encourage you, honor the marriage bed. 
if you are struggling in your marriage, um, don't follow the ways of the world or the attitude of the world or the words of the world. Divorce always destroys. Divorce exists as a legal loophole, Jesus said. It exists because of the hardness of men's heart. And we know that sometimes you would rather save your marriage and the hardness of another person's heart is beyond your control, of course. But hear me, don't listen to the wisdom of the world when you can lean in to the words of the one who spoke it into being. You may need time separated. It may be even an extended time. But can I encourage you, don't, don't consider that your options are marriage or divorce. A, separated, a separation is often needed at times when things are particularly bad. But the reason we separate is ultimately for some level of reconciliation. The options are certainly not just divorce or, re or, or, uh, or marriage. This is, there is a careful, God-honoring process and time. Can I also encourage you, I, I don't want you to mishear me. Do not stay in an abusive household. You do not honor God by allowing the image of God to be abused. As, as a senior leader of Divergent Global, as a pastor, as, as someone who knows that your leaders care for you, you need tell them and we will do all we can do to protect you and ensure that you go well. Sometimes we need short circuit the, the, the nature of abuse that goes on to create purpose and to create safety and protection. Everything else can be dealt with after, but do not stay in an abusive context. Hear my heart and God's in this though. If you honor God in your marriage, if you honor your spouse, even when it is difficult and honor him or her, even when it feels like it is breaking down, that God will honor you even if it does not look like what you expect, God will bring good from every circumstance. It's Maybe it's a good that we don't quite understand yet, but you can trust Him in this. And I say this because God knows what it is to actually be in the situation of divorce and brokenness and even adultery. Malachi 2 tells us that God hates divorce. But he doesn't hate divorce as some disconnected judge that's trying to lord it over you. He hates divorce because he knows what it is to be broken away from his bride, to have her in that context commit spiritual adultery. He knows what it is to pursue that wife and have her reject him and accept him and reject him. God hates divorce nonetheless. And so God has called us to honor marriage, to cherish it, not just as some, uh, some ultimate uh, law, but rather as a heart that seeks the reconciliation of God and his people, of husband and wife. Can I encourage you? 
honor marriage, even in the midst of, of the difficulties that can come in life. Focus your marriage on the things of eternal value. You know, sometimes I think marriage is hard because marriage is a picture in a sense of the gospel. The gospel tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But the process of the gospel was death was struggle, at times felt like rejection. It was the tension of loving one wholeheartedly and at times feeling rejection, or in the very least not receiving back that which you hoped for. It's a picture that is seen when Jesus sits on the hill overlooking Jerusalem and he says, Oh, how I long to gather you to myself as a mother head gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. See, marriage and the gospel are a picture of one another. Can I encourage you? It's unfortunately sometimes a place of pain, sometimes even of the greatest pain. But it's also a place of great pleasure. It's a prophetic place where the kingdom of God can be expressed in a unique way. But let's continue and let me hit you with the last line. Let me encourage you, I guess you could say, with the last line. For God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. God has created for us what we need. He draws us to himself. He creates us in a sense uh, in a garden of godly opportunity and sustenance. Yet, like Adam and Eve, we can be drawn to that which he that we are explicitly told not to touch. The sedition of the devil in Genesis 3 calls Adam and Eve to question the clarity of God's word in the matter of obedience. Did he really say? The devil brings Adam and Eve to question the good intentions of God and this is no different. God has good intentions and good plans for you to work within, to be part of. But let the scriptures be clear in this matter. God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. We are family. We are, we are called to honor the marriage bed in all circumstances. We are family, though, together, married unmarried, male and female, every nation and every background, whatever socioeconomic background you are from. Each of us as believers, sealed with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit of God as we walk, um, expressing the fruits of the Spirit, we need walk out the will of God in this moment. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 that we are to know or to, we are to teach, uh, to teach them to obey all things. It's, discipleship is not just an intellectual conception. 
Discipleship is a submission to the Word of God in our mind and in our heart and in our lives as we walk it out. It is a walk of obedience. And Jesus tells us, of course, that if we love Him, we will obey Him. We will love Him. We will love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So, can I encourage you? There's a lot in this message, and uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to publish some more blogs around marriage and men and women and all these matters, because I know many questions may have come up. And I encourage you, message me, message your leaders if you're going through a struggle or you've got a question. But keep in mind that God has good intentions for you in these things. God has defined marriage in a very specific way because God has a prophetic uh, mandate on marriage. God has defined marriage in the way he has done so because God wants to birth not just a happy couple, but an entire family. Not just of those who are physical family, but more importantly, as the father, as Jesus marries, in a sense, his bride, he is birthing a family of married and unmarried, of people from every nation, tribe and tongue. So let us walk motivated by the love of God, knowing Jesus and his gift in dying for us and defeating death itself. Let us walk in the love of God. Let us walk in the love of Jesus, obeying him in everything. Let us walk constantly toward the love of God. Let his example to us as the bridegroom be that which we take. Laying aside all all rights and all positions of glory and position to serve one another. Let us pray and let us walk in love, motivated by the Spirit of God. And so I want you to just hear that initial uh, verse from Hebrews 13, verse 4 again. And let us pray after that. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge Uh, the adulterer and all sexually immoral. God has good plans for you. Whether you are married in this moment or unmarried, whether you are, I guess, single for life or not, can I encourage each one of us to live for the sake of the kingdom and take hold of eternal purpose in this moment? Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you that you're good. A lot I know in some ways this message even might be hard for some listening. Lord, it may cause conflict intellectually and conflict in the heart. But Lord, I pray, Lord, as you said, Lord, let this be accepted. Lord, let this be understood. Lord, let this be walked out. For you have called all of us to honour marriage. For it is your plan. It is your design and according to your description and prophetic mandate. In your precious name, amen. Can I encourage you? I uh, will continue to unpackage some blogs that might relate to this message uh, in the next little while. Go to my blog and have a read. There's a number of blogs on this topic. Uh, And can I encourage you, if you've got questions and maybe you're only new to Christ or you're pursuing Christ, can I encourage you? You You can trust Jesus. 
even in this moment where you might have a moment of struggle, you can trust Him because He has eternal purpose and He has eternal relationship that strips every good thing in this world and it makes it look like nothing compared to what He has for you. God bless you. We are praying for you. And can I remind you, we love you as a family loves one another through the perfect love of the Father. God bless you.